0: Six minutes after the hour on the Around the House program, and we're glad you're with us here. I'm Ken Moon. We'll be here a couple hours talking about that special place that you and I call home, and we're glad you are with us. Hope you had a good week. This weather's kind of crazy now. Uh, uh, were you saying, Matt, it's going to snow maybe tomorrow, and here we go again, and back and forth we go. Yeah, yeah. Well, winter in Colorado, I guess. It'd be fun to get it over with, right? Have six, eight, twelve inches of snow, and that's and we're done with it, but Spring is coming, I think, two weeks from tomorrow. You guys want to check me on this, Chris? Uh, we changed to Daylight Saving. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah, so spring is coming. Matter of fact, um, I uh, t- emailed John Creddy, our gardening with an altitude horticultural expert. today. I asked him to be on the show on the 11th, which is two weeks from today. And we'll have some fun talking about spring gardening. So I look forward. John's always a, a great guest. So, Hope you had a good week, and we are um, going to start the show here with a, some uh, advice for cat owners, okay? Uh, and this, uh, this is something that actually I posted on my website, I don't know, 10 years ago or something, and I just remembered it was there, and I wanted to share this with you. This is called <clears throat> How to Give a Cat a Pill, okay? That's the premise here. If you've got a cat at home, you want, might want to pay attention, even take notes, Perhaps about how to give a cat a pill. Okay, here we go. Pick up cat and cradle it in the crook of your left arm as if holding a baby. Position right forefinger and thumb on either side of cat's mouth and gently apply pressure to cheeks while holding pill in the right hand. As cat opens mouth, pop the pill in. Allow cat to close mouth and swallow. Number two, retrieve pill from floor and cat from behind sofa. Cradle cat in left arm and repeat the process. Number three, retrieve cat from the bedroom and throw soggy pill away. Number four, take new pill from foil wrap, cradle cat in left arm, holding rear paws tightly with left hand. Force jaws open and push pill to back of mouth with right forefinger. Hold mouth shut for a count of 10. Number five, retrieve the pill from the goldfish bowl and the cat from the top of the wardrobe. Call spouse in from outside. Number six, Kneel on the floor with cat wedged firmly between your knees. Hold front and rear paws. Ignore the low growls, of course. Get spouse to hold head firmly with one hand while forcing wooden ruler into mouth. Drop pill down the ruler and rub cat's throat vigorously. Number seven, retrieve the cat from the curtain rail. Get another pill from the foil wrap. Make note to buy new ruler and repair curtains. Carefully sweep shattered figurines and vases from the hearth and set aside for repair later. Number eight, wrap the cat in a large towel. Now we're getting somewhere. And get spouse to lie on the cat with head just visible from below armpit. Put the pill in the end of a drinking straw, force mouth open with pencil, and blow down the drinking straw. Number nine, check the label to make sure a pill is not harmful to humans, and drink a beer to take the taste away. Apply Band-Aid to spouse's forearm and remove blood from the carpet with cold water and club soda and soap. Number 10, retrieve the cat from the neighbor's shed. Get another pill, open another beer, place cat in cupboard, and close the door onto the neck of the cat to leave just the head showing. Force mouth open with dessert spoon. Flick pill down the throat with elastic band. Number 11, fetch screwdriver from garage and put cupboard door back on the hinges. Drink another beer Fetch a bottle of scotch, pour shot, and drink. Apply whiskey compress to cheek to disinfect. Toss another shot back. Throw t shirt away and fetch a new one from the bedroom. Okay, so it, here we go to the end here. Uh, after all of this effort, you just. You just consume another beer and drive to the emergency room because you got to get your fingers and, and elbows stitched up. Remove pills from your right eye with fragments in your right eye. Call the furniture shop to order a new cupboard. In the meantime, arrange for the Humane Society to collect the mutant cat from hell and call local pet shop to see if they have any hamsters. This that Okay, that's how to give a cat a pill. I kind of cut that short at the end. How to give a dog a pill. Wrap it in bacon. Toss it in the air, have a nice day. So there you go. How to give a cat a pill. I've never, I've tried that, and you end up uh, having to do um, uh, drops. If you can get drops, they're, they're much better. Okay, daylight savings, Sunday, uh, March 12th. Very good. Yeah, thank you. And spring right around the corner on the 20th. Easter, I believe, is the 9th of April, as I remember, because Ash Wednesday was this past Wednesday, right? Something like that. Anyway. So spring is springing all around us. Chris and I were talking about spring baseball training, and the is it still the pitchers and catchers or, or the, not any game, formal games yet? Just pitchers. They and actually just started. Just started yep. th- this weekend. Yes. So the bases are bigger. Interesting. Pitch clock now, which is is just I'm sure the uh, the uh, viewing public will like that. I think it'll it'll increase interest in the games because they do drag on don't they mm-hmm. yeah it's it's to kill the dead time between at bats hmm and how many times can you do your uh, velcro on your uh, batting gloves oh my gosh you're I'm, only allowed one time out so yeah yeah okay well that's good it's it'll it'll speed the game up probably make a uh, uh more base stealing probably a little higher scoring perhaps huh yeah that's good okay uh, I've got some stuff to cover today. I don't know if I'm going to start off with this, but I found, you know, me and my climate change thing. There was a really fascinating article that kind of, you know, like the, the unified field theory in physics, it ties everything together. From things as innocuous-seeming as bike lanes, which is driving driving all of us crazy as we go around town. They keep getting rid of driving lanes and adding bike lanes. That connects with electric cars and suburbia and density of housing and affordable housing and, and uh, along with, of course, climate uh, change. And so uh, there's an article here from the Wall Street Journal I'm going to read a little later, just teasing you a little bit with it, uh, that I think you'll find uh, will come— kind of tie a lot of things together why things are happening the way they are also an article on another major city bans natural gas hookups to new houses uh which uh, is just gonna just raise the cost of housing make it more difficult to buy and own a house and pay the heating bill and builders of course are against it because why would you want to want to do that so uh, that's Eugene, Oregon, is the city. We'll talk about that a little later, also. But in the meantime, we'd like to hear from you. I haven't given the phone number out yes 719 473 1240 is our telephone number. And with all this crazy weather, this freeze thaw, freeze thaw, a little snow, a little melting, uh, more snow, ice dams and icicles are with us. Uh, I see icicles around here and there, and then they melt and then they reappear. Usually, we need to talk about that a little bit, and uh, we'll we'll start the conversation, take a break, and then be back with, with the rest uh, to wrap this up. But usually, these troubles are on the north side of the house, the non-sunny side, where that's where the snow buildup occurs. But I'm getting reports from folks who say they have ice troubles on the more sunny sides of the house. Maybe not due south, but the east and the west sides where there's not as much direct sunlight. Uh, freeze, melt, thaws, cycles, uh, are, are, and an overly warm, nice, sunshiny day, and then a cold night, and then a little snow. All that is contributing to ice dams and icicles. Uh, a cold attic is a good thing to have. Warm attics exacerbate ice dam buildups because they promote melting from underneath. That's why good ventilation and good insulation are a good deal. If you If you drive around places like... Minnesota and uh, the Dakotas and Michigan, you'll see a lot of attic ventilation like like roof vents and other ventilation because they want those attics to be kept cold. Well, in the meantime, the insulation actually d- does its job to keep the heat in the house, of course, but you get less ice dams and less icicles if you have a cold attic instead of a warmish attic. So that's kind of the a preview of, This conversation we'll talk about icicles and ice dams in more detail after we take a quick break so we'll do that now and be back with your phone calls we have live email today at aroundthehouse.com we'll see you right after these messages stick around You know, life is too short not to have central air. I know it doesn't seem like it now, but it's going to get hot again this summer. If you need central air at your house, and who doesn't, I want you to call Click Heating and Air, but do it now because they have a limited supply of the 13 SEER air conditioners. There is new federal regulations are going to kick in, uh, like right now. Oh, so you'll be paying over a thousand bucks more for air conditioning unless you act right now. Give them a call at 719-782-5425. Tell them you want central air in your house. Get in the queue to get uh, take advantage of the thirteen seer air conditioners. And if you haven't had your furnace checked this season, there's still winter to go. So they got a special deal at Click only seventy nine bucks, twenty dollars off the usual price. But the big Message here. The big headline is Central Air. If you want it, you got to get it now, or you'll pay a thousand bucks more once the supplies of these 13 SEER air conditioners run out. So call Click Heating and Air. Go to ClickHeatingAndAir.com or 782 5425. Once again, 719 782 5425
1: from your faucet to your furnace and everywhere in between Ken Moon has solutions around the house give him a call now at 719-473-1240 that's 719-473-1240
0: welcome back to the program it's 20 minutes after the hour on the around the house program good to have you uh, have you with us give us a call 719-473-1240 as she said and Live email, around the house.com, Just click second button from the left. We have a caller, John, on line one. John, what's on your mind today? You're on the air with Ken Moon.
2: Hey, it's John. hey Ken, it's John, west of Cheyenne.
0: Oh, hi, oh, our buddy John. How's life up there? Uh, tell me about your weather and how much snow and well, all that.
2: Oh, it's winter. Um, <laughs> it's hard to tell because you can go into the ravines and you got about eight feet and oh. out on the pastures some of them are clear because of the wind mm-hmm. you know what i mean
0: i heard the wind blows in wyoming i'm not i haven't had that confirmed yet but i've heard that so yeah anyway they
2: have a, yeah it's every day <laughs> if it's you know we don't even notice it until it's 30 miles an hour
0: sure sure
2: um, what's on your mind so buddy you were you were talking about uh ice dams and icicles and i have a mechanical solution that cost me about $22. It's called a roof rake. Do you know what
0: that is? I've seen them online. Yeah, go ahead and, and describe them. Uh, yeah. I,
2: it's just a piece of plastic. It looks like a shovel that's reversed on about a 25-foot extendable pole. So you can get a section 10 feet, you know, and it stretches out. And you could stand far enough back, and you just go up. And I usually go up about four or five feet above the gutters and just pull everything down off the roof. Yes. So this way, that five-foot area is clear. So when everything starts melting, it has a place to run off.
0: Right. Do you use heat cable also, um, John? No, I've got a metal roof with
2: a 10-12 pitch. Okay.
0: So, so you get a lot of slip. Know, usually- if it warms up just a little bit, you get slipping and sliding of the snow off the roof, I guess, huh?
2: Right, and then the Wyoming wind, in, with winter snows, January, you know, December, January, February, the wind usually blows it off. It's the late February, like the one we just got, yeah, and the March, and the April snows. Because you do know there's four seasons in Wyoming, right?
0: You want to enumerate them for us?
2: Yeah, almost winter, winter, still winter and road construction.
0: <laughs> I love that.
2: <laughs> I, I thought you'd like that. Oh, I do so, like it. I, you I, know, you know I've
0: seen these online and they, they're not very expensive and, but you're the no, first I, uh, testimonial I've had of, of actually using them.
2: I got mine at home Depot in Cheyenne for less than $25.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So if you don't want to order it online you just want to go, probably the local home Depot might have some because a lot of people don't know it. I mean, it's just something because, like, with the heavy March, April snows that we'll get. Yeah. If I don't pull that down and it warms up, when it does come off the roof, which is usually sometime when I'm not paying attention, it sounds like a bomb went off outside the, the house when yeah. it hits the deck. You know what I mean? I do. When you get the weight of all that snow hitting the deck. And then you got to clean it off the deck.
0: So you you just leave a five or four, five, six-foot gap between the snow and right. the gutters to just to absorb whatever is going to happen.
2: So just let it melt down. And then I count on the sun because usually that's, you know, we yeah. get so much great sun here. It melts everything within for those you know, of you that, this time of the year.
0: For those of you that don't know, John okay. is a friend of the program, been calling for years. He's between Cheyenne and Laramie on, uh, on I 80, right? Kind of. It's just
2: out there. South of I eighty.
0: Yeah, and tell us, remind me because I think we talked about this once. What's your energy situation in your house? You you got a backup, don't you?
2: Well, yeah, I've got a eight kW generator.
0: I remember now. In case yeah. of emergency. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And I use what's called a Generlink, which is uh, an adapter that goes between your meter and your meter can on your house. Mm-hmm. And the utility came and plugged it in for me. And it's about eight hundred dollars. And when you connect it in, it bypasses the meter, so there's no backfeed. It's all UL listed and approved by most utilities. And it's about a quarter to a fifth of the cost of what it would cost you to have an electrician come in and put a bypass switch.
0: Now, do you do you uh, is natural gas or propane fed? What's the fuel? Oh, um, I heat with
2: pellets mostly. Okay, wood pellets. And then my backup is electric because of where I live, I can't count on if I was using propane of getting a propane delivery in the middle of the winter.
0: So your generator is a diesel or gasoline or what is it? Gasoline. Yeah. Gasoline. So like
2: Tuesday on my way home from work, I got 10 gallons of gas uh, for that uh, generator just in case I needed to go on it during the last storm. And I have it full right now, and I use like a fuel stable in it. Yeah. So I can the gas can stay in there longer, and then about once every two months I'll fire it up, I'll put some load on it just to run it down, so I can put fresh gas in it. But uh, I I haven't had to use it yet this year. Knock wood. Yeah. But usually we get our power outages here and Cheyenne and stuff when we get the heavy wet spring yeah. snows. You know the ones I'm talking about that you know. That's when we usually get an hour. you pulls the line down, and then, you know, you're out for six to eight hours. The other thing is the pellet stove will keep the house heated. I just have to plug that into the generator. So, well, so you're, this
0: 8KW will run the refrigerators and some basic lighting and things, not the whole house, apparently.
2: For, no, I, I depending. And here's the thing. When you're doing a generator, and I used to work in the utility industry, and I had a buddy who was an, uh, a meterman. You know, and he he scoped it out for me. And he said, remember, not everything is on at the same time. Right. So you don't have to have your full load. So when I feed the house through the General Link, I throw all the breakers off, hook it up, and then I turn on the well pump to make sure that's pressurized and the refrigerators and the freezer and, like you said, the wood pellet stove and the, uh, you know, a couple of lights or, you know, depending and then if i got to take when i want to take a shower i might shut off a couple of refrigerator circuits for an hour or two and turn on the water heater does yeah. that make
0: sense yeah do you so most of, so like, you're saying most of your heat comes from wood pellets yes and how much does that cost you a year john i'm sure you've kept track knowing you
2: well yeah um this year the okay well first thing Wood pellets went up a dollar a bag from last year to this year. Uh So there's 650 a bag. It's a 40 pound bag, and I usually get about a day and a half to two days, depending on how cold it is, out of a bag. So for the maybe I'll use 80 bags for the year
0: for the season. About 500 bucks in
2: yeah which is when i had just electric heat it was 500 a month
0: okay yeah
2: Cause well, i have an, a, i have an electric furnace so what i do after the pellet stove comes on and brings the temperature up for the one i want i'll flip the furnace fan on and it'll pull that heat from the heated source through the rest of the house sure. and recirculate it sure and i uh, you know and then we've got storm doors on all the wind, you know storm doors we've got old because no matter, I talked to the best window guy in Cheyenne. He manufactures locally, and he said where I'm located, there's no way you could put a single hung window in that when the wind's pushing on it at a solid 60 miles an hour, it's not going to leak sure, along the seam. Sure.
0: Well, so you're all tucked in and cozy think- there. You've done your homework, obviously, yeah, and you yeah. know, I, I, again, you're a little bit of a pioneer here. I don't think I've talked to people that have pellet stoves for kind of backup. In the in the basement, no. you know, but you're a you're a full time uh, pellet stove guy, and there finally you use sawdust, compressed sawdust. In the Midwest, right. aren't there pellets that are made from uh, ground up corn? Corn? Is,
2: yeah, that's a different type of stove. Oh, it you is
0: okay. Corn okay.
2: Yeah, they actually that was one of the labels on the top of the stove when I unboxed it to put it in. Yeah, yeah. Do not use corn pellets. Wood pellets only. Okay. And I know a guy who heats with one too because he lives in an electric only area. And he buys those wood pellets at like a um, tractor supply that you throw in a horse stall and they open up. Yeah. And he burns those when they're about half the price. But he says he has to clean his stove out almost every day because okay. they don't burn clean at all.
0: John, so, thanks for the feedback I mean, on this. Uh, the, the big takeaway, I think, for my listeners is the snow rake. Yeah. And I, as I say, I've seen them yeah, online. That's... I've seen videos and so on. So sounds like a good deal, especially higher elevations where you get a lot of snow buildup on the north side. I would think uh, they'd be very biggest, useful. So,
2: The biggest thing is just you have to extend it out far enough
0: so you don't get dumped on. Yeah, pull it on yourself. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah. John, you take care, yeah, buddy. You stay safe, show. okay? You, you have a good yeah, thank one thank you You too all right john he's uh, he's called probably six or eight years now he's called regularly from always east uh, i'm sorry west of cheyenne east of uh east of laramie time for a break we'll take it's half past the hour we'll take a quick break and then continue our ice dam and icicle conversation right after this right here on around the house Hey, I want to talk to you about energy. We are just talking to our buddy John over up there in Wyoming, and you heard him talk about high energy costs when you heat with electric, let alone natural gas or propane. If you have ugly old windows in your house, wood, steel, or aluminum windows, you need to throw those away and get some new energy-efficient vinyl windows from Dutch's Home Improvement. This is a company been around over thirty years. They're fully licensed and insured, of course, and have a great reputation. Customer service, I've talked to Gary, the owner. That's their number one priority to keep you satisfied as a customer. If you need some new windows, they have the best brands in town, the best installers, and it'll also make your house look younger than its actual age you'll give it kind of a facelift anyway but you're wasting money if you have ugly old windows i want you to call dutchess at 719-392-1369 or com. get some new windows on your house you'll save money summer and winter call dutchess 719-392-1369
1: from your roof to your foundation and everywhere in between, Ken Moon has solutions around the house. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240.
0: Welcome back 25 minutes before the hour. And uh, uh, Chris, uh, and I don't know, who did you do this, matter. Or you Chris did it. Brought me in some pictures of snow rakes. And there are, the prices are all over the place. Amazon, uh, like 48 bucks um uh, there's 54 74 but depending on how fancy you want them to be but basically they're a t-shaped plastic like a little baffle or plow and there's extension handles you, you I think you either pull them out or screw them together and it looks they look fairly now for two-story homes it, it, there might be a little more difficulty here because of the height above the ground but it looks like these are very very efficient for getting that snow off the roof you wouldn't have to do it all the way around but if you have a north exposure like people here in town you know you're up against cheyenne mountain and you have that that shadow from the mountain or a north side uh your house faces south but you have north side issues like icicles and ice dams ice dams sound sort of innocent because they're on the outside but they they can creep up under the shingles and it can cause leaks because the they can actually buckle the roof shingles as they expand themselves because they creep upward uh, onto a onto a roof, especially if there's a little warm warmish temperatures in the attic. That's why, as I say, attic ventilation is a big deal, and uh, also uh, insulation, of course, to keep the heat in your house. Uh, there's a um, roofers for years now have been required to put an extra layer of material on the edges of the roof not just the the gutter line the drip line as we call it but up the sides which is called the rake of the roof it it isn't just shingles but there's an extra layer usually ice and water shield which is that thick tar paper to prevent damage from ice dams but it can still happen So ice dams, uh, heat cable is a good way to get rid of them. You can zigzag heat cable along your roof, plug it in, leave it plugged in year-round. You can lay heat cable in the gutters because that's where a lot of this damage occurs, and that's where a lot of icicles, of course, uh, have their genesis inside your gutter. So heat cable on the north side works well. If you have gutter covers, uh, leaf guard, gutter helmet, those kinds of things, they're great in the summertime to get rid of the... Uh, of the uh, uh, to get rid of the uh, overflowing gutters because they keep the twigs and leaves out. The problem in the winter, the openings in these even with gutter screens that you install yourself, the openings are small enough that ice can get trapped more and crystallize more easily in the gutter cover environment. So you might have more exposure or more uh, vulnerability for ice dams on the north side of the house if you have gutter covers. But it's a good trade-off. But you just have to get ready for it. And heat cable is a good way uh, to do that. Or as our buddy John from Wyoming said, get the snow off the roof to begin with after each storm. And, uh, and that, that uh, is, is part of the solution. Icicles, of course, can be dangerous. You walk underneath them, you can get really hurt when an icicle comes down. So uh, if you break them off, you want to maybe use that same snow rake that we're talking about. Stand way back and break them off. Uh, kids like to break icicles off, don't they? And then suck on them like a popsicle. I used to we used to do that when I was a kid. Um, so snow rakes good. Less snow, of course, means less icicles and less ice dams. But again, that cold attic with good ventilation is a good is a good idea. So that's just some thoughts on ice dams and icicles. And the more of these sort of sort of minor snowstorms we get, you know, where you get a layering of a little snow and then freeze thaw. Uh, a melting and then freeze-thaw again. Uh, a, 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 a frequent storms, like we had two Wednesday storms in a row, right? So this is where you get a lot of this buildup of ice dams and icicles. But I thought you might appreciate a little a little essay or a little speech or or monologue on ice dams and icicles. 719-473-1240. Uh, Sam says, I'm installing new hardwood floors. Do you like the water-based or regular varnish finish i mean that's a good question uh, if you would have asked me this question 10 or 15 years ago i have said well i'm kind of old-fashioned i like the regular polyurethane polyurethane uh, varnish that we've uh, used um, it has a long track record of course but the water-based finishes have low odor and they dry quicker and most of the floor guys i talked to they were skeptical at first also on the water-based material but now they're they're, they're kind of believers it really is long-lasting and very uh, tough and resilient. Uh, the oil-based product may. Some people think it has a softer and warmer glow after it cures. But again, if it's an existing home that you're trying to refinish your floors, I would go with the water-based product, Sam, because uh, again, low odor, lower odor, and uh, and quick and quick drying. Uh, in a new home where you're starting from scratch, you know you might want to stick with the. With the polyurethane, the traditional, because it is cheaper. The water-based products are more expensive. I'm not sure what the, I don't remember what the differences is, but uh, anyway, that's just a thought. But water base is becoming kind of the, the way to go these days. But again, it depends on new house, old house, uh, in between. You know, if you if you want to refinish your floors, and people do this, you know, every once in a while they'll do a scratch and recoat of your floors, but it takes new varnish and you sure want to get the process over with more quickly, and that would be the water-based uh, material for sure. Seven one nine four seven three twelve forty. Let's. What do we have here? For um, just sorting through the email here. Uh, I did that one. I did that one. Um, what have I got here? Oh, here's here's one that kind of current, if you will. My furnace says Gale makes a popping sound. Uh, when it shuts off uh, and what what do you think is going on here? Mine does too sometimes uh, and I don't notice it all the time. I would consider more of a drumhead kind of sound with my furnace and what usually what that is is when the blower runs, it pressurizes the duct system, not a lot, but a little bit enough that if there's any big areas of sheet metal like over your furnace, it, it pops them out a little bit or flexes them outward. And when the blower shuts off, there's a sudden release of that pressure, and so they can kind of bulge back, if you will, and return to their original shape. And you get a little bit of a, a thumping sound, and you describe it as a popping sound. Uh, so it, it's this is all trial and error. It's very difficult to track down noises in furnace systems. It's it's You, you kind of have to um, be the furnace people, of course, the contractor has to be there when things are going on. And... Uh, there can be various sounds, uh, clicking sounds, snapping sounds, kind of, kind of the drumhead effect I was talking about. Sometimes multiple click, click, click kind of things as things cool off. You, you get the idea. It's all trial and error. And the problem is that most of these areas where the noises come from in a heating system are not accessible. There's a drywall ceiling in the basement, for instance, or the ducting goes up through the upper stories of the house, so you really can't get to them. But for what it's worth, your furnace guy could come over, or your regular furnace contractor, like Click Heating and Air, my buddies over there here in town, and, could, and you could demonstrate the noises you're concerned about. And if they can access them, They can use all kinds of methods. They can actually deform the metal surfaces with a ball-peen hammer or put some screws and straps in to kind of add some stress to the metal surfaces. That sometimes can help. Duct tape here and duct tape there, a little duct tape, and, you know, you know what I mean? And I almost started a little song there, didn't I? Anyway, the duct tape song. Anyway, so it all can help, but it's all trial and error uh, based on what a furnace guy, furnace person, I should say, Let's say person, aren't you these days? A furnace person. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, you're a regular furnace guy. I haven't come take a look at it anyway. You know what I mean. 719 473 1240 is the uh, contact line. That's why it's good, by the way, like with my buddies at Click Heating and Air, establish a relationship with a furnace company. Don't just shop around for the bargain basement $39 price because you want a relationship there if you have trouble. Uh, trouble on a cold morning, it's good to have a relationship with a company that knows who you are, your address, your name. You've talked to them before. Maybe the pe- dispatcher that answers the phone, you have a relationship with them. It's a big deal to have regular folks in your life, especially for you folks out in the country that have wells and septic tanks. you, you got to get that relationship going so you can rely on people in an emergency, right? You know that. So the lowest cut rate price is not always the best deal. Relationships are important when it comes to emergencies around the house. That's my soapbox. I'll climb down off the soapbox here and time for a break. We'll be back right after this quarter till the hour. Give us a call, 719-473-1240, and live email at aroundthehouse.com. We'll be right back.
1: Need help with your next home project? Back to Around the House with Ken Moon. Give them a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240.
0: Welcome back. 11 minutes, but actually it's 10 minutes to be precise. We're closer to 10 minutes before the hour on the Around the House program. Don't forget the podcasts of the program are available uh, at uh, going back to the first weekend in July last year. Soon we'll be able to say a year's worth. Uh, just go to AroundtheHouse.com, click on Listen to Podcast, which will take you to the... KRDO.com site, or you can go right there if you want, slash radio, and you'll see them. There, download them, take them with you, whatever you'd like. I'm I have a little iPod Nano, I really like what people laugh at me, but they don't make nanos anymore. But I guess people, most podcasting is done through people's phones. Is that where they usually, yeah, telephone? Yeah. I like my little Nano, though, because when I walk around, it's really handy to have. But you can download the podcast. Chris will put up the podcast of today. Within a couple hours after we go uh, off the air, but they're available there uh, if you would like to peruse them. We have a lot of response to our podcast. Matter of fact, as far as I know, I'm still leading the pack here at the station. Only one, only one uh, show a week, and I uh, usually have the top five or six podcasts at the station, which is just wonderful. And I appreciate that uh, that loyalty on your part. So, podcasts a big deal, and so you can click on them aroundthehouse.com. Click on listen. To podcast this is a email from bill i have an older house built on a concrete slab you know you may have an older house but now concrete slab construction is more and more uh, with us now uh, and because builders can save money and uh and uh, a lot of people uh, don't want to have a basement anyway they like to live in the main level and basements tend to be a little claustrophobic for some people so we see more and more new home slab construction but anyway bill says Would it be wise for me to dig a trench around the perimeter and install some styrofoam insulation? Well, uh, it would, but only after you've done some other things first. The the styrofoam, the builders, of course, use that before they backfill slab houses to prevent uh, heat flow out of the house. Uh, But I want to make sure, Bill, before you spend all the time and effort and and aggravation to do uh, what you're suggesting here, that your attic insulation is good enough. We want about... 14, 15, 16 inches of attic insulation of blown material upstairs. And if you haven't checked that for a while, attic insulation tends to subside over time because of vibration, uh, moisture, uh, weather patterns, a little wind gets involved there too, uh, and just normal deterioration. You might have started with 10 or 12 inches of insulation, and you go up there with a tape measure, it might only be 8 or 9 now. So you want to stick your head up in the in the attic with a tape measure and put a mask on and just see how much insulation is up there. You want 14, 15 inches for sure to get close to an, R, uh, an R50. an R Okay, that's number one. That's the cheapest, most cost-effective thing you can do to save energy. Number two is to call Dutch's Home Improvement get some new vinyl windows. If your windows are old, clunkers, maybe single pane, you put some storm windows over or, you know, they're old, ugly wood windows from the 80s or aluminum windows from – Uh, the 60s and 70s you want to get some new vinyl uh, vinyl windows a good set of vinyl replacement windows and the attic insulation are the two most cost-effective things you can do to save heat and of course you want to seal and caulk around all the windows and doors and you want storm i like storm doors it's a big deal to have a storm door first of all it's more secure your house can be more secure with a storm door to keep folks out uh, and in the winter you uh, in the summer rather you can remove the glass and have a, a locked screen door you know you get the idea a storm doors are a good thing especially if your front door faces in a northerly uh, direction so those are all the basics of saving energy hope you have a newer furnace you have an electronic uh, setback thermostat that can save you two to five percent in your energy bill uh each season okay once you've done that you can indeed Uh, Put some uh, styrofoam insulation around the outside of your slab home if there isn't any there uh, now. The builders generally are putting the styrofoam on the inside of the foundation before they backfill it and before they put the slab. You can't do that, of course, because you have an existing home. So, yeah, you can dig down and put styrofoam down there, and and, uh, and, and it it will help. You won't notice a big difference, but what we call marginal differences – to save minor amounts of energy, which adds up over time. So, yeah, I would do that, but I would do it, I would make a low priority of putting maybe an inch and a half or two inches of styrofoam around the outside of your um, foundation. Uh, as I say, after you've done all the other things to save. Uh, when we talk about insulation, we talk about the cost effectiveness of insulation. That is a return on investment. What kind of a payback do you get? And of course, the. The the two biggest, uh, most immediate or or quickest paybacks uh, on return on your investment in terms of saving heat in the winter and saving cool air if you have air conditioning in the summer are the attic installation and the new vinyl energy-efficient windows. So those are the two things you do first, okay? Bill, thanks for that. Uh, Thanks for that uh, email, Uh, 719-473-1240. Jerry says... Uh, this is a good question. I haven't talked about this for a while. Uh, how long can I expect my water heater to last? Mine's going on 20 years. Should I replace it? Well, that's a good question. 20 years is a lot for a water heater. 15, I would say 15 is more of an average. Uh, most water heater failures uh, occur either early uh, in, in their careers, like maybe year 4, four 5, or 6, um, or really late, like yours, Jerry. There's no in-between is what I'm trying to say. My theory is that a water heater builds up a thin layer of, of material on the inside, uh, like minerals on the inside of the tanks that helps protect the tank. So I, water heater failures I see early with heavily mineralized water, maybe well water, a small community system, or late, in your case, 15, 20 years, Jerry. But I would just let it fail. There's no reason to throw away a perfectly good... Uh, water heater that's doing the job for you for now i would just let it fail and um, when a water heater fails it's not a catastrophe you uh, 100 virtually 100 percent of the time you'll see a little uh, ring of dribbly water on the floor under the water heater maybe a little rust down there and the water will dribble out of the the tank of the water heater and go down the floor drain of course it's going to be on a sunday morning you realize murphy's law right but you'll have some warning that your water heater is failing. It's not going to be. Uh, it's not going to be something that'll be a huge surprise. Like you're not going to have a sudden burst or a flood or anything. Uh, so that's why we want. If water heaters are in other places besides the basement, say on the second story of a house, we'd like to have a, a pan under them. You can buy a water heater pan uh, at the uh, at Lowe's or any home center. It's a galvanized. Uh, pan it i can't describe it any other way that the water heater sits in sort of channel that water someplace else besides on the floor to leak down into the living room uh but uh that's kind of the story your water heater is going to fail one of these days and if you know when it does as i say it'll give you some warning one thing you can do is put a water alarm down there and an older wife one at my house i have a newer water heater but i got a water alarm anyway put it next to the water heater you can get a little battery powered alarm Get like a two pack at Amazon for 10 or 12 dollars, something like that. It just sits there on the floor, and when it senses any moisture, uh, it will squeal or howl at you. Mine actually does a dit 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 da 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 dit 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 in a, in a really strong tone, like SOS, right? And which is kind of a little cutesy thing, anyway. And uh, that water alarm, uh, Jerry, if you don't go down to see your water heater very often, will alert you that the water heater has decided to give up the ghost, which I would expect any day uh, in your situation. If you want a recommendation on longevity, uh, a non-scientific survey in my head is that Ream water heaters tend to last longer than other brands. Uh, I know there's some dispute about that, but I do notice that Reams seem to do a nice job longevity-wise. So thanks for that email. We'll be back with part two of Around the House right after the news. So give us a call, 719-473-1240, right here on Around the House. Hey, six minutes after the hour, part two of Around the House. Good to have you with us here. Thanks for sharing your weekend, lovely weekend, with us here on the radio and we'd love to hear from you at 719-473-1240 or live email at aroundthehouse.com a shout out to all of our friends up there in Wyoming listening on the mighty K2 KTWO 50,000 watt voice, they call it Wyoming's radio station and it's kind of one of those blowtorch stations 1030 on the dial, 1030 on the dial for us east coast people it's a big deal, WBZ in Boston is 1030, that's the other uh, a blowtorch in the country uh, that's um, a, a legacy station. Westinghouse, one of the first radio stations actually ever, commercial radio stations, was WBZA, which was its successor, and um, now WBZ 1030 in Boston, and KTWO 1030 in Casper, Wyoming. It carries the program. It's a time delay up there, and that's fine. It's on at 4 o'clock in Casper, so any of you Casperites that want to want to talk on the uh, on the radio uh, live you can call us at uh, one o'clock mountain time and uh, and get you on the air so you can do that at 719-473-1240. I wanted to talk a little bit uh, today about radon. Radon keeps coming up and why wouldn't it because it's part of our real estate and legal system when it comes to housing and and uh, uh tra- housing transactions and so on and and i wanted to spend a little time talking about that we have a call uh, intervening or we uh, just i'll just keep going okay uh i didn't want to interrupt i, I didn't want to be interrupted so i'll i'll head out and know with the radon with the radon thing and uh, uh radon is of course as you may have heard is a colorless odorless gas it's uh slightly radioactive and you know we out here in the west we have a lot of uranium underground and um, without uranium there's some daughter products it's called and radium and other daughter products which eventually leads to radon gas which has a little radioactive component to it you breathe it in and there's little alpha particles which are very weak atomic particles but if they get in your lungs the theory goes they can cause some dna damage and maybe long-term risk for a lung cancer so uh, the EPA estimates, and this is just a wild WAG, you know, a wild you-know-what guess on their part, about 22,000 lung cancer deaths each year can be attributed to radon. They don't really know, but that's just, a, as I say, maybe an educated uh, guess. And so it's good to get radon out of your house if you have it. And I'm not sure it's a huge uh, risk, but if you have kids sleeping in the basement, yeah, you probably want to test for radon. And get it out because now the realtors and the lawyers have gotten hold of it and the federal government. So it's part of our uh, real estate uh, paradigm now or the re- the real estate industry. And uh, anytime you're going to buy or sell a house, the radon tends to come up. So get it tested. You can buy test kits at Home Depot, uh, they're relatively inexpensive. You need to buy two kits uh, because you have to re- have. Uh, two sensors or detectors or canisters so they confirm each other and uh, you can send it into a lab and then if their levels above the 4.0 the government recommends you need a licensed radon mitigation company to come in. So if you have a finished basement if people are living and sleeping down there especially or if you're in the more the westerly parts of the area like in the foothills and the mountains up in the mountains per se you probably have elevated radon so get it checked you can do it yourself uh, if you would like, if you have some feedback uh, on that, you can call us at 719-473-1240. So, okay, Dan is on line one. Dan, you're on the air with Ken Moon. What's on your mind today?
3: Uh, yeah, please. I uh, have a uh, rental house where the tenants moved out, and we discovered that they were smoking meth. Oh, boy. And I was told that I needed, to, well, I had a test done, and, and and it came in a low amount of test of uh, meth. But I was told I need to contact the county to find out exactly what I needed to do. So I called five or six different phone numbers with the county yesterday, and no one seemed to know anything about this. Do you know who I contact to find out what I have to do?
0: Well, I can. Uh, if you would send me an email, I can get, point you in some different directions. Here, uh, there are environmental companies that will test for it and mitigate. Uh, for meth unfortunately the mitigation for meth is a big deal you may have noticed uh that uh, library, three libraries here in Colorado Springs were closed for meth contamination. And one now I read today in Pueblo, the main Pueblo library is closed for meth contamination in the restrooms. Of course, none of the articles talked about the homeless who camp out in those restrooms and bathe and sleep and dump, but, but, but do well, because the homeless are a sacred cow and that kind of thing. I'm just taking a sidebar here. But meth is a big deal. Uh, and it's going to be kind of expensive i'm afraid dan for you to mitigate for this because sometimes i hate to even go down this path with you but sometimes it requires removing cabinets and tearing out sheetrock and it just depends how severe the contamination is can you give me an idea of the severity of it
3: well i i don't know that either they won't tell you the severity of it who won't they say yeah they say you have to go to the county
0: well, who, who brought this up in the first place?
3: Uh, well, I've had the test done already by a professional uh, lab. Okay. And, but they won't tell you the severity of it. From what I understand, I mean, I, I finally got her to say it didn't seem like it was very serious.
1: Uh, oh, okay. It was
3: a low amount. <clears throat> but... Um, uh, so I don't know. I, you know, sometimes it just requires a, what they call a cleaning by a professional mitigation company. They come in and just do what they call a cleaning, and right. you don't have to get into the walls or anything like that, or take out cabinets or anything. Yeah, it dep- I, I um,
0: think the, the the tearing the house apart may be if they were actually manufacturing it in the in the yeah, property versus yeah. using it. Did you did you do a test because of their weird lifestyle? You just suspected there was something wrong.
3: Uh, they uh, some paraphernalia was found in the
0: house. Oh yeah, okay,
3: all right. Indicated that they were smoking it. Yeah.
0: Well, I can't. It's so, hard for me to get my head around. That you pay for a test with a private laboratory, and they won't give you your results. I mean, it's it sounds to me like it just, just... I, Well,
3: I have I have the results, but they won't interpret it for you.
0: Oh, I see. Okay.
3: You know, there's some numbers there, and they won't tell you exactly what they mean
0: probably from a liability standpoint i I suppose huh
3: yeah i think that's it i finally got her to say that it it was seemed to be low compared to a lot of other tests that she'd seen
0: so well uh, then that's that's good news and i i sounds to me like if if a if a quote cleaning that's probably what they're going to do in these libraries i i think they uh, had we're having restoration companies come in there and clean out till the homeless move in again and it'll go up again. You know how that endless thing goes. Well, why don't you email me and and, and uh, since uh, I'm running out of time in this segment, uh, I think uh, the restoration company uh, can come along. If it is low, it means they were just. I don't know if do they do they smoke it? Do they snort it? I don't even know any of this stuff. It's in. It's they get it in the air. They smoke it in a pipe or something. Okay yeah yeah uh well i i mean i i have seen a house where they were manufacturing it and i've seen a mobile home also and they had literally had to tear the building apart and dig up the soil and all that stuff but it doesn't sound like that's the case with you well it'll be helpful for you to have uh the paperwork when the restoration is uh is done does the laboratory that you dan that you hooked up with do they have any referrals for restoration or any any of this mitigation
3: well, no, yeah, they say you have to contact the county, and the county tells you what to do, what you have to do.
0: Well, it and sounds so to I me like them, this laboratory they're not they're not very they don't sound very cooperative, do they?
3: No, not really.
0: Yeah, yeah. And but, who have you called it? Yeah, did you call it so, Do you call the county health department? Yeah, yeah. Well, you live here in Colorado Springs, right? Yes. Uh-huh. I would. I would run up to Garden of the Gods Road to the big county service center up there, and there's a environmental group on the second floor. I would go and face to face talk to them. There's a testing laboratory that I deal with for radon up there, and that whole uh-huh. uh, the whole environmental sections on the second floor. I'd go up and talk to them face to face. Yeah, maybe that's what I'll. Have yeah, because the uh, when you call these government agencies on the phone. They get paid to not answer the phone. I'm sorry. I mean, it just seems like it. They're not very helpful. I get up there on the second floor on Monday. Uh, if they've only been smoking it, I think maybe you're going to be you're going to be okay. But you know, from a liability standpoint, you got to have the paperwork when the mitigation is uh, is done. So that's what I would do. I do I do it face to face. Okay. You know, you may yeah. not that day get some relief. But they'll make an appointment for the person you need to talk to. And you might get the runaround because, you know, people don't like anymore to take any responsibility because they think they're going to get blamed for negative yeah. outcomes. So you're probably going to have to be a little pushy. But that second floor of that service center is where you need to go.
3: Okay. Okay. Well, that's helpful.
0: All right. Thanks, Dan, for your call.
3: Thank you, Ken. Pre- uh-huh. pre-
0: appreciate right. it. Seven one nine four seven three. 1240 I saw this house it was on the west side of town and I did a post restoration mitigation is the the wrong word this was restoration because they dug up the soil around the house and hauled it away they pulled out the sheetrock the insulation the cabinets the floor coverings and basically stripped the house down to the studs and rebuilt it and this is 15 or maybe 20 years ago uh and it was an 80,000 thousand dollar job in a little ranch home so That's how serious it can get. 719 473 1240. Time for a break. We'll be back right after. This uh, stop set right here on Around the House. If you're looking to improve the appearance of your home, I want you to call Dutch's Home Improvement for windows, siding, doors. And patio covers they do it all but the big deal now because of this cold weather reminds us that our temperature goes down our energy bills go up so if you don't have good windows on your house and windows a lot of people sell windows but i want you to call dutchess because their commitment to customer service their longevity here in town is a big deal call them at 719-392-1369 they carry only the best brands of windows have the best they, their installers have been with them for a long long time so they trust these folks and and uh, again customer service is a big deal to dutchess of course they have all the light all the licensing and insurance and so on uh, so I want you to give them a call. Go to com. If you have ugly old windows, wood or aluminum windows, you're wasting energy winter and summer. So get some new windows on your house like we just talked about and make your house more energy efficient. It's a big deal. 719-392-1369 or duchesshomeimprovement.com.
1: Things break around the house. That's why there's the Around the House program with Ken Moon. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240.
0: Hey, welcome back to the program 22 minutes after the hour on the Around the House show. I've got a so give us a call on any home improvement, uh, a fix-up thing, whatever's happening around your house. But I've got a little sidebar to go onto here because you know climate change and uh, all the things associated with all the craziness we see around us, shutting down power plants but wanting electric cars, all that stuff we talked about. There was a great piece, I think, week before last in the Wall Street Journal by Alicia uh, Finley uh, that I th- is fascinating because it wraps up so many things that we see in our daily trip around town that you might find interesting. It, the title is The Climate Crusaders Are Coming for Electric Cars 2. The subhead, a new report, makes clear the ultimate goal. Tiny, uncomfortable apartments and bicycles for everybody. So here's this piece. and It's not terribly long, but it's fascinating uh, what's going on kind of behind the scenes. Uh, here, here we go. Replacing all gasoline-powered cars with electric vehicles won't be enough to prevent the world from overheating. So people will have to give up their cars. That's the alarming conclusion. From a new report from the University of California, Davis, and a network of academics and policy experts, oh, yeah, experts, called the Climate and Community Project. The report offers an honest look at the vast personal, environmental, and economic sacrifices needed to meet the left's net zero climate goals. Okay? Progressive's dirty little secret is that everyone will have to do with less, less cars, fewer cars, smaller houses and yards, lower standard of living. Problem number one, electric vehicle batteries require loads of minerals like lithium, cobalt, and nickel, which must be extracted from the ground like fossil fuels, usually overseas, many times with slave or child labor. That's number one. Mining, number two, mining requires huge amounts of energy and water. And the process of refining minerals requires even more. According to this report, mining accounts for four to seven percent of global greenhouse gas emissions. Trying to cut down emissions with electric cars raises emissions. Uh, who, who was surprised at that? Problem number three. Electrification of the U.S. transportation system will massively increase the demand for electricity. Hello, Earth. Yep, we know that. While the transition to a decarbonized electric electricity grid is still underway. Of course, nuclear is out of the question, which would solve all these issues. The report concludes, again, this report from UC Davis that the auto sector's current dominant strategy, which involves replacing gasoline-powered cars with EVs without decreasing car ownership and use, is likely incompatible with climate activists' goal to keep the planet from warming by more than 1.5 degrees Celsius, uh, by the way, that's in 100 years, compared with pre-industrial times. Instead, the report recommends government policies that promote walking, here we go, cycling, and mass transit. So you wonder... You see all of these bike lanes appearing on all these avenues and boulevards all over town that is no accident that is a direct result of this this climate change hysteria the government actually gives spiffs kickbacks to cities for putting in bike lanes inconveniencing drivers here we go let's let's go on with this so there's something in your day-to-day travels you wonder where all the bike lanes come from? It's because it's a it's a climate change panic thing that the government pays the cities to, to do in the first place. Governments, this report says, could reduce financial subsidies for private vehicles like on-street and free parking. They could also charge pickup truck drivers and SUVs uh, more fees because of the bigger vehicles. Uh, urbanites who suspect the expansion of bike lanes in their cities is intended to force people to stop driving are not wrong we just talked about that but what about suburbanites who need cars to get around like you and me right reducing car dependency will require densifying here we go low density suburbs while allowing more people to live in high rises and urban spaces translation force more people to live in shoebox apartments get rid of the suburbs and the green grass and and uh the single family houses and and more about that later as crazy as this may sound it isn't a fringe view a natural resources resources defense council report on lithium mining also concluded the government needs to reduce long-term dependency on single passenger vehicles in fact this Re- inflation reduction act that was just passed by biden and the democrats includes billions of dollars billions to promote bicycling and so-called livable neighborhoods livables neighborhoods the translation is less single family more high density housing uh governor gavin newsom uh vetoed a bill but it's going to come up again uh uh, that created a one thousand dollar tax credit of households that don't own cars in california We can invest in the future by providing financial incentives to transition from vehicles to more sustainable options, read bicycles and high-rise living. Uh, Newsom vetoed it. I'm surprised at that. But it'll come back again. Eliminating cars, not only gasoline-powered, but EVs as well is the left's ultimate goal. Uh, That's why progressives are mobilized against mineral uh, extraction here in this country. We do have minerals like lithium, but nobody wants us to mine for it. And this is a long-term outlet uh, that is affecting us gradually day by day. The looming shortage of minerals will cause prices for EVs to rise inexorably. Soon Americans may not be able to afford to buy a car. Even with a government subsidy, they'll have no choice but to use their 10-speed or ride on mass transit. Uh, uh, Here we go. So uh, this article by Alicia Finley wraps up, Note, too, there won't be enough minerals to make the massive batteries necessary to back up the electrical grid powered by wind and solar. You shut down power plants. You need batteries to store energy, but we don't have minerals to build those anyway. So Americans will have to consume less energy, for instance, by setting their thermostats in the winter to 65 and in the summer to 80 and pay more for it. Progressive's ultimate goal is to reduce consumption and living standards because they believe humans are a menace to the earth. Surprise, Surprise! So now uh, they're going. The, the The campaign is against cars per se, and against suburbia. And when you see all of these affordable housing, there was a big affordable housing uh, conclave or conference in Colorado Springs this past past week or so about affordable housing. Affordable housing really is a euphemism for uh, adding more density to the city, less single family. More fourplexes and uh, condos and high rises that you see popping up all over the place. The uh, the climate activists are against the single family house with a green lawn and a picket fence. So we have to fight back or just cave in. You have the you have a choice. But that's kind of what's going on. In the meantime, nuclear power is right at our fingertips if we want it. All of this stuff would be achievable with nuclear power, but they don't want that either. What they really want is lower standards of living and and do do uh, and uh, and do with less. Do with less, 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 less. That's the that's the watchword of all these people. That starts with the gas stoves. We just went through that a couple weeks ago. Electric furnaces. You heard our. You may not have heard in the first hour. Our buddy John from Wyoming. When he was heating electric uh, electricity with electricity in Wyoming, his heating bill was five hundred dollars a month. Now with the pellet stove, it's it's uh, five six hundred in a winter season. So electricity is a very expensive way to heat. Electric vehicle charging, of course, really saps the electrical grid. In the meantime, we're closing down power plants. So this is all part of a long-term plan to make us, to to, to diminish our lifestyle, to make us do with less. Uh, prosperity and capitalism are on the chopping block, so these activists think. So that's kind of what's going on. Uh, and, and, I mean, it, it, just in front of our heads, the bike lanes, that is a symbol of all of the push to get us to, Move into the city to high-density housing and do away with cars. And, uh, you, you know, if you don't, if you like that, fine. I don't like it. I don't like a future thinking of my kids not having the freedom to drive where they want to drive. Self-driving cars are also part of that equation. The government will probably end up, if we have a lot of self-driving cars, telling you when you can go and where you can go. Right now we have a campaign campaign. Uh, nationwide to put wireless thermostats in houses that the authorities, quote, quote, can control. This is all heading down the path to doing with less, to do without. And that's kind of sad. Uh, it's, it's a future that we either push back or it'll, it'll happen. But it's all based on this climate change thing, which is, of course, uh, man-made climate change is just a, is, is a, uh, a smokescreen for this control that people want over our lives and making us do with less. Okay, yeah, for exactly. 719-473-1240 is our phone number. We'll be back with your phone calls right after this and live email at aroundthehouse.com. we were just talking about government regulations. There's a new one that we, they want to change to the air conditioners, make them more energy efficient. Uh, the federal government does. But there is a limited supply of 13 SEER, the regular air conditioners, available. But when they're gone, they're gone. And Click Heating and Air has a supply now. He didn't, uh, uh, I, Jim didn't tell me how many they have left, but they have some. So if you want central air at your house, and who doesn't, who wants to go through another sweltering summer, you need to call Click and get in the queue to get central air. Otherwise, you may be paying a thousand bucks more when the supplies existing supplies of the 13 seer units are gone so when those regulations kick in so this is a limited time only so call click heating and air at 719-782-5425 Or check their, they have a really good website with instant pricing at clickheatingandair.com. Four clicks, and you know what things are going to cost, like your central air system. So give them a call, 719 782 5425. Get central air at your house and save a thousand
1: bucks. Fix it videos can be so confusing. Let Ken Moon walk you through it on Around the House. Give them a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. Welcome
0: back to the program. It's 23 minutes before the hour. Don't forget the podcast of the show. Uh, Chris will have it up within uh, an hour and a half, two hours after we go off the air. And they're available at thekrdo.com slash radio. Do I have that right? That'll get you right to the podcast or put my name in is that what you do or the show the,
3: on the on the radio page there is a podcast center okay good section there and then you can choose the pod center, uh, podcast you want to look for
0: sure or uh, you can get the same results uh, at aroundthehouse.com my website click cl- listen to podcast just click and there's a link uh right there so the podcasts are available going back to the last july as a matter of fact uh I, I think i haven't checked lately but my denver-based radio show going back to 2015 podcasts were available at uh, what's a good podcast app um you have, you have one at your is it called i i something or other is it I, I i cast or something like that it's a i can picture it on my cell phone it's a purple icon anyway so i think apple podcast yeah it? apple podcast apple yeah. podcast yeah yeah put in my name and the sh- name of the show and you might see all those older i haven't checked lately but they were there a couple of months ago anyway that's the deal on pod. thank you for downloading the podcast by the way and for we keep track of uh, who has the most downloads and i'm the champion around the station here so i appreciate your loyalty on that score let's see here here's um email from phyllis i need to replace my basement windows the law says they need to be egress style should i do both i can't really afford it well that's you're right requirements have changed now basement windows must be large enough the the theory is you want to be able a firefighter with a backpack on needs to get through the window to rescue people that's the way the regulations are are written uh i have a night my house is 1973 and i've got smaller basement windows um so These requirements came in, I guess, I'm trying to remember now, late 70s, early 80s, when we went to so called egress windows and egress window wells, which basically are windows that are a lot taller. So the windowsill is closer to the basement floor. And then the window well is a lot deeper. You know, it it sticks out into the yard more. And we take these for granted. All newer homes have the egress windows. I don't know why, maybe in, in the 70s and earlier, we didn't love our kids as much as in the old days. Uh, in the old days as we do now maybe we didn't obsess about these issues as much as we do uh, as we do now Um, as far as i know older smaller windows and basements are grandfathered that is you can't be required to change them unless you finish your basement and put a bedroom down there or something then the city can make you put an egress window in Uh, and uh, so you'll have to check with the local you know like here the regional building department there are companies that specialize in putting egress windows in the basement. They, it's it's sounds complicated. They simply strap a concrete saw to the foundation, and cut uh, the rebar and the concrete down to within forty something, about forty inches of the floor, something like that. I I don't have the dimensions in my head, but it's it's around forty or forty two, uh, and then take the concrete out and put a new window in there and dig out a new window well. It can cost three to five thousand bucks so it's not cheap and generally the city won't require uh more than one egress window in an older house they'll they'll let you get by with one so if you can't afford to do that phyllis i understand that but you want new basement windows because you're wasting uh wasting energy there's some mitigation you can do uh to make things safer at your house if you if you have uh, basement bedrooms sleeping rooms down there uh some things you can do uh, and I'll go through just no particular order here. You can uh, build in a dresser or a bookshelf below the window. The, the let's, we're talking about the older, smaller windows. Build a dresser, a bookshelf in there that somebody can hop up on and get out of the window. You can put a a stick or some kind of a uh, a pipe or something down there to break out the window to break out the screen. You get the idea. So people can crawl up and out of those uh, out of those windows. Uh, it isn't. This is not an official legal. Uh, uh, over you know mitigation because there is no such thing as a legal mitigation for egress window either you have one or you don't but this will make the house marginally safer also put a couple of uh, uh, fire extinguishers in the basement several smoke detectors that will help also i've even heard of people putting uh, a hose in the basement hooked up to a faucet in the furnace room to put out a fire those kinds of things you can mitigate this because there are thousands well millions of houses that have smaller basement windows and these are grandfathered in Uh, the city can't make you change them as i say unless you totally remodel the basement or put in a a new basement bedroom but uh, there are some things you can do to make it a safer uh experience sleeping down there you know the smoke detectors alone have just saved so many lives since they were uh came along in the mid-70s and uh, putting a smoke detector in each of those basement rooms, plus the hallway, because you want to protect the stairs. And another thing, which is a now a requirement in the building code that might not have been when your Phyllis, when your house was built years ago, and that is the the underside of the basement stairs has got to be protected from fire, especially if you store stuff under the stairs. It's required to have a layer of five-inch sheetrock on the underside of basement stairs because if you have a fire starting in the maybe the furnace room curls around under your stairway or you have a flammable stored I don't know why you would do this but under the stairs you have to protect those stairs from uh, from fire from uh, so you have a way to escape Uh, the the rule of the all the building codes are based on one rule that every sleeping room has to have two ways out. Uh, one can be the window of course whether it's the basement or upstairs and the other is out the bedroom door and down the stairs there has to be two escape routes from every sleeping room so that's kind of the story you want to protect those basement stairs with a smoke detector over the stairs and uh, some protection like a fireproofing underside the basement stairs so that's those are just some ideas i understand phyllis you don't have an extra you want new basement windows which i understand and but you don't have an extra five four or five grand to spend on an egress window it would be a better idea if you did do it because your house would then from a safety standpoint when you go to sell it will be more of a you know more up to date and this won't even uh, won't even come up you know, when I inspect a home with small basement windows and sleeping rooms down there, I always say they don't meet the current egress standards. But these are grandfathered in. As I get, I you know, I I don't have a good answer to that. Why didn't we love our kids as much in the old days as we do now, or did we not obsess about safety like we 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 do in our country? We do obsess about health and safety to the point of driving ourselves a little crazy, don't we? 719-473-1240. We'll take a quick break and be back with our final segment right after this on the Around the House program. Don't forget, live email at AroundTheHouse.com.
1: Got a fix-it problem at your house? Ken Moon is here to help. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's
0: 719-473-1240. Welcome back 12 minutes before the hour on the Around the House program. Good to have you uh, with us, and we're glad. We love it when you share your weekends with us. And uh, the feedback I get on uh, email, if you want to email me, it's aroundthehouse.com, second button from the left. And uh, during the week, I get emails as I I read them here on the air, uh, and I'm pretty good about answering those emails. Try to keep it succinct and kind of pithy. That's a pithy if you have a lisp you don't want to mess with the word pithy but anyway um uh, keep it short maybe one question and one subject per email really helps here's an email from mary uh from mary Uh, my daughter can't take a full shower first thing in the morning she just gets a few minutes of uh of hot water uh the water heater's about 10 years old what's going on the problem may be a stratification inside the tank many most gas valves Water heaters don't kick on until there's a 20, 25-degree drop or so in the water temperature. Since there's no activity overnight, the burner stays off and the water cools down from the bottom up. So that may be the problem. Some newer water heaters have a 10-degree uh, differential, so they come on sooner. Uh, the Bradford White is a brand I know of that that has that uh, tinier uh, gap in in terms of the uh, uh, the time constant of when the when the water heater kicks on for now um you could it might help her to normally i don't recommend this for gas water heaters but she could wrap an insulating blanket around the water heater tank and and turn the thermostat up a little bit uh maybe to the highest setting if there's no little kids or disabled people in the house you don't want to scald people but um finally here's here's the answer if there is one if she gets up a little earlier and runs a load of clothes or runs the dishwasher, uh, the burner will have kicked on by the time she climbs in the shower. That that that's probably pretty good advice anyway uh, to do that. So uh, and you know if I don't think it's a chronic problem, but she might have a uh, an issue of of that stratification where there's cold water on the bottom and warm warmer water uh, on the on the top. So. That's, good. That's a good question, though. Appreciate that. Seven one nine four seven three, twelve forty. Pat says, I melted a plastic glass on my dishwasher heating element. Oops, yeah, it smells awful. I want to get it off. Ooh, yeah, it, it really stinks. That's why I try to, I don't know about you, but when I load a dishwasher, I never put plastic stuff in the bottom. I always put Tupperware, Tupperware lids, uh, plastic cups in the top rack, right? I mean, that just makes sense. Because there's a lot of heat down there in that in that heating element, it's like an electric stove heating element. So anyway, uh, pad. You can use a razor blade to scrape off as much as you can of the uh, of of the plastic. Uh, you could also uh, one thing you could turn the cycle. And most of these you can turn turn the the dial ahead. Now if you have a push button one, you might not be able to do this. If you have a dial dishwasher, you can turn it to the dry cycle. Let that element heat up. And that way, it'll remelt the plastic, and you can scratch it off with a some kind of a, a like a pad or something, uh, and it'll scrape off easier. Uh, but if you do do the razor blade to scrape chunks off, d- don't get it too deep because you can ruin the heating coil if you scratch it too much. Uh, and don't lean on the coil. The, the coil's kind of delicate, so just treat it like a, you would an electric stove burner. Um, you could get a little steel wool on there to remove the finer particles. That would help. Uh, also, uh, maybe a little abrasive—I don't know—comet or something uh, like a paste uh, to get it off. It'll eventually clear up, but I know it stinks, and uh, who, who wants that smell? And you know, every time the dishwasher uh, dishwasher runs, so I hope that's uh, helpful to you. Yeah, but you know that I did this on my stove. You know, if you have a glass top stove, yeah, you get in a hurry and you don't realize that that burner is still hot. There is a pilot light on my stove that says it's a hot burner. Well, you know, you know those covers that you put over a, a plate when you heat in the microwave. Those round uh, plastic covers. I set one on a hot burner, and um, uh, yeah, and so I, you, you and it sticks, man, because when that burner cools down, it's stuck on there. It becomes part of the glass. So you have to reheat that, and uh, and kind of scratch that all off. But You have to be really careful. That's putting pl. But you don't really you know, with a hot uh, regular coil burner, you know it's hot because you can just feel it, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, remelt that if you can. If but if with a push-button dishwasher, as I say, I'm not sure you can. I I don't. Can you fire up that heating element on its own? I'm not sure in a push-button dishwasher. It depends on the model and the brand, I suppose. Seven one nine four seven three. 1240, Uh, Mona says, I live in a very windy area east of Colorado Springs. We have wind and dust coming in under the walls, through the outlets, the heat vents. Oh, man, I'm afraid we're wasting lots of energy. Yeah, you are wasting lots of energy, getting a lot of dust in the house, and I'm sure a little snow can leak in and so on. So you got to do this one step at a time. It's kind of a pain, but you got to go to the obvious entry points first. The gap where the siding comes down over the foundation is the most obvious place. Because sometimes the framing doesn't line up perfectly, so you need to spray some foam under there. You know that that canned spray insulating foam, or you can even jam some pink uh, insulation up there with a screwdriver just to fill that gap up where the siding hangs down over the foundation. Of course, caulk around windows and doors because caulking in our dry, high elevation climate tends to dry out relatively quickly. So caulk, recaulk around windows. And, and and doors uh and um here's another thing you wouldn't might think about your your dry clothes dryer your kitchen hood and your bath fans vent to the outside and there's usually a little cap that closes when when like when the dryer goes off the cap is supposed to close up and keep cold air from blowing in to to the house and so if those little spring-loaded caps on the exterior vents for your dryer kitchen hood and and bathrooms don't close. You're gonna have to put new vents on there, or, or or kind of fiddle with them to get them to close up tight when the fans or the dryer aren't aren't running. Uh, the wind in your heat ducts is a concern to me. You may have a direct fresh air vent from the outside into the furnace room's return air duct. This was common in the 70s uh, when we had a fresh air. We we, we panicked when the Arab, Arab oil boycott hit. what I mean by panicked is we we decided we needed to add fresh air to the house because we sealed the houses up and we had carbon monoxide issues. So the building codes for a while required a direct vent from the direct outside air right into the furnace system. Now, the rules have changed, and so they're not required now, but you might check out to see if you have a direct vent from the outside uh, and you want to block that up and have the get air from the inside now through some grills or a louver door or something uh, would be a, uh, the way to do that. Don't do it without your HVAC contractor getting uh, getting involved. A home inspector could come along and maybe find some other cures for this also. But uh, you have to do it one at a time. As far as the outlets and switches goes, put a little foam. Uh, remove the cover of the outlet, put a little foam cover in there that you buy online or at the hardware store, and that will seal those i'll seal those up uh, chris reminded me about hazardous i talked about in my promo about looking at hazardous things uh, i want to I, we talked about radon lead paint and asbestos were with us up until the mid-70s if your house is built before that you want to make sure that you don't fiddle with those walls don't scrape sand demolish any interior position uh partitions or the ceiling, if you have a house built from the mid 70s or earlier, uh, you want to keep things well sealed. And you, there may, if let's say you have a house built in the 50s, I guarantee you there's asbestos and lead paint on your walls and ceilings. But you keep them well sealed with nice acrylic latex interior paint, satin, or whatever finish or sheen you want. Keep sealing those. The asbestos and lead paint is locked away from the environment. That's the answer to that. If you do remodeling and do demolition, you want to keep things damp, tent things off, gloves, goggles, all the usual uh, precautions when you think there might be asbestos, because you don't want asbestos to get loose in the air of your house. But generally speaking, in older homes built, as I say, before the mid-'70s-ish, rough, you know, that's a rough uh, rough recommendation. Make sure that uh, you keep things well sealed and you're just golden because by now there's multiple layers of paint over those old surfaces. So I hope that's helpful for uh, our listeners. We talked about radon. Get it tested if you're in the foothills or in the mountains to make sure your radon levels aren't don't exceed the government recommendations, which, as I say, is 4.0. And if you're in the mountains, you probably have a higher level than that. Okay. That's all she wrote. Chris Morris and Matt McKinley, thanks for your help in the control room. As always, I hope you have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next time. Don't forget the podcast at AroundTheHouse.com. God bless. See you next time right here on Around the House.